Good morning, class. Uh, welcome to the 11th Art Eater podcast. Uh, so today uh, we're going to be talking about Guilty Gear. Um, and uh, oh man, we could spend uh, probably all day, maybe all, all week talking about the whole series. So I think today we're going to focus on just uh, the very first game. Uh, this will be the first in a multi-part series about the Guilty Gear franchise. Um, so we'll, we'll talk about our own personal experiences with the games and then do a deep dive into the art and uh, the gameplay as well. And uh, to that end, we have a special guest with us today. So uh, normally the podcast is just uh, me, Richmond Lee, and uh, Sean, uh, say, say hi, Sean. How's it going? Yeah, and uh, Professor Andy is still out due to technical problems. Um, but yes, today we have a special guest. It's our old friend, uh, James Stanley. Hey, can you, can you uh, say, say hello? Oh, hello, everybody. Uh, I'm honored to be a part of this podcast. Uh, just really glad that there is a place to uh, talk about awesome things, uh, especially Guilty Gear. So this is very exciting for me. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. So we're, we're super excited to have James on. Uh, uh, all of us go back way back to our art school days that we all attended SCAD together in, in Savannah, Savannah, Georgia. And um, yeah, so James is, uh, he's the creator of the comic Part-Time Shuffle. It's, a, it's an awesome comic. It's Part-Time Shuffle. You should uh, please, please Google that. It's an amazing heady mix of like manga and like classic Capcom aesthetics and like Chanbara films, dash of like 90s Marvel, uh, healthy dose of like jazz and hip hop. And it's, it's basically like if Vaporwave came, you know, was just in, in comic book form. Um, so look that up. <laughs> part-time shuffle and um uh, james is also a longtime competitive fighting gamer uh <laughs> he's incredible um he's one of the few people i know that that can play fighting games at a high level and appreciate them on that high technical gameplay level and also an aesthetic level um and so we're, we're really happy to to have you on board here today james um, oh, and you guys can uh, please follow James online. His ha online handle is Beefy Kunoichi. So uh, on Twitter, that would be at Beefy, B-E-F-F-Y underscore K-U-N-O-I-C-H-I, -I, uh, Beefy Kunoichi. Yeah, so um, let's let's dive into it. Uh, Guilty Gear. Guilty Gear. So uh, I'll, I'll give a, just a quick introduction to the series. Um, I'm, I'm sure everyone listening already knows. I'm sure you're intimately familiar with the series, but just in case. Um, so Guilty Gear is a fighting game. The, the, we're talking about the very first game here. Uh, we'll eventually get to uh, all the latest games, especially Strive. But um, today we're concentrating on the very first game by uh, Arc System Works. It came out in 1998, and it was the brainchild of uh, Daisuke Ishiwatari. He's a uh, African-Japanese artist, musician, composer, game developer, and voice actor. And uh, all those things I just mentioned, those are all things he did on Guilty Gear ever since the very first game. Um, it came out in 1998, so he would have only been 25 years old. But by then, um, he was leading a team. Uh, I think it was like Team Neoblood. Was that, was that what they were yeah, called? Yeah, it was Team yeah, Neoblood. Yeah. Yeah, Team Neoblood at, at Arc System Works and uh, making this crazy game. He did uh, the character designs, he wrote the music, he wrote the story, he performed the awesome music, he provided the voice of the main character, Soul Bad Guy, who's like the, you know, the Ryu of the series. Um, so if you think about how much he's poured into that series, like Guilty Gear is very much an auteur game, you know, as much as like any indie game, like like Braid or something. It's It's very much like, it's a very personal game. Um, and 
you know, like when it dropped in 1998, my gosh, like that, that was just mind blowing. Like, so uh, first let's, let's talk about like, what was everyone's first impression of the game? Like, like James, uh, set, up, mean, set it up for us. I mean, honestly, like 1998 for me, I mean, gosh, this is many moons ago. I am about to date myself as an Oyaji here. Uh, I was about 18. Um, and by 1998, uh, I was familiar with the Alpha series. Um, it was something that was really important to me just because, like, I always felt like Capcom had, uh, they were, like, on the pulse of, like, you know, an aesthetic that could be, like, just globally absorbed and consumed without people knowing that it's anime or anything like that. It was just kind of like, wow, that looks really cool. And it, there's no yeah. other games that look like this. And, you know, by that time, I had seen Alpha 2. I was obsessed with Alpha 2. Uh, Battle by the Bay happened in California. B3 actually happened. John Choi versus Alex Valle. Alpha 2 was on my mind. The aesthetic of Alpha 2, the game, everything. It was the best looking game I had ever seen at that time. Alpha 3 wasn't yeah. even like a thing yet, you know? And yeah. uh, I remember uh, someone saying, hey, have you heard of Guilty Gear? And I was like, what the hell is Guilty Gear? And you know, I because it was completely new to me, and they're like, "No, dude, you need to see this game." And you know, it was a friend of mine who really understood like my budding taste and my palate. You know, they were just like, "No, you have to see this game." And he somehow had like an import of it because um, I only had bought like Japanese Saturn games. I didn't really get like Japanese PS1 games, but he was a friend. I didn't know who was into import games, yeah. so it was like, "Holy crap!" Like. You have this, and he he turned it on. He said, "Don't say anything. Just just watch." <laughs> and I was floored by the overall aesthetic of the game, uh, the the presentation. Because at that time, I mean, you know, Capcom held it down. You know, Capcom was the epicenter of like what an anime inspired game looked like. I mean, you had X Men versus Street Fighter. They were pushing yeah. the envelope. But here I am in my friend's room. I'm not in an arcade. In my friend's room, staring at a CRT uh, a TV, CTR rather, and uh, just looking at this thing, like, I can't believe this is happening on a PlayStation 1. I can't believe that it's so fluidly animated. These characters and the presence, I feel like at the time, I mean, our eyes were trained for resolution in a different way, you know, where we, we had analog eyes back then. So this was super crisp, super clear. Yeah. Uh, I felt like. I was playing an anime that was just literally the camera was fixed in a 2D fighting game, uh, you know, angle. And uh, I, we played it for hours, man. I didn't go home. I spent the night uh, just messing around with it, um, just hearing the characters talk. Um, you know, it was like a, it was almost like experiencing Street Fighter 2 again for the first time, but on a level of visual splendor that I was not ready for. Yeah, it was it felt that different, right? Yeah. Like, uh, let's say that that was '98. So so Street Fighter Two I had already Street Fighter Two just to set the 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 stage. That came out way back 1991, and that that kicked off the whole fighting game uh, revolution. Yeah. You know, uh, that same year, Fatal Fury also came out. It, it was. Yeah. I, I, like Fatal Fury wasn't a reaction. It was like simultaneous evolution of, of like the same ideas. Um, yeah. And then, uh, you know, by 93, you had like Samurai Showdown. By 94, you had Super Street Fighter 2 Turbo, King of Fighters, uh, yeah. Virtua Fighter 2. So so 3D fighting games were starting to become a thing. Um, X-Men, uh, Children of the Atom, which was, I would, I think you could make a good <laughs> argument for that being the first really successful anime style 
fighting game. Oh, um, I oh man, I oof. Like I feel like we could do a, a podcast just just on Children of the Atom, but that's for another day. Oh, dude, uh. yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, I know, I know. We want to go on a huge tangent there. We'll we'll, we'll circle oh, back to that. Man. But yeah, yeah. To, just to set the stage though, like so for everyone listening, Guilty Gear was not an established franchise then. It it came out of nowhere at a time where um. I, you know, it was a golden age to the point where people were spoiled. They were like, oh, there's uh, oh, another fighting game, oh, another Street Fighter. Like, it was a golden age of fighting games. And then this one, after about a decade of, like, intense fighting game franchises, one after another, this stood, like, head and shoulders above. Like, it, it just really made a statement. Um, uh, Sean, do you, do you remember your first impression of the game? Uh, yeah, I was going to also mention that... Um... What's interesting around the, the time that Street Fighter and Pale of Fever come out is that Arc System Works has been around forever. Uh, it's not like, I think they, they kind of hit their stride with Guilty Gear, but uh, I think oh, really? people forget uh, around the same time, they were already into the anime. They were working on Sailor Moon games, and I think they worked on Battletoads. Uh, I don't know if they completely produced oh, wow. it. Oh, wow. No, no, dude, you're right. They, they What? Battletoads? Right, yeah, they, this, they've this been is around about... since 88. Yeah, Actually, yeah, so... yeah, that's right. He's He's right. Yeah. Uh, so, oh, yeah. uh, not that that has to do with my first You're impression. You're right. They made the Genesis Battletoads. Yep. Yeah. What? Because so, <laughs> I, I know that um, uh, the, like, the game director, he had actually worked on uh, Sailor Moon, and then he was a pixel artist on Wizard's Harmony, which I never played, uh, but I was aware of. <laughs> but anyway, um, which is kind of what like what gave him like the little foot in the door to actually work on Guilty Gear, to... To, okay. to live his dream and stuff, but it, yeah. it was more just to mention that around the time that Street Fighter 2 was coming out, that Arc System was already knee-deep in anime. Um, I did not... Yeah, they were a very experienced developer by then. They they had 10 years of game development under their belt, which, which back then was like... I mean, like, was, there were so many shifts year, year on year uh, from the 8-bit to 16-bit to early 32-bit era. They had yeah. already gone through all, all of that. Wow. Uh, but to my, my own impressions, yeah, I had a, a, I guess a very similar feel to it in that I, when I was introduced to it, I had never seen uh, a fighting game that looked that good. And uh, I also remember at the time, like this was just about when 3D was starting to sort of happen. And I don't, yeah. I don't, I think, uh, I don't remember if, if there were actually 3D fighters out, but I remember it being part of the conversation where, oh, yeah. uh, outside of Capcom, like a lot of other fighter fighters were starting to go into 3D and they didn't look great. Um, but this was like one of the, the first ones where, uh, the, just like the, the, the rock music background to it, the, uh, like how, uh, I don't want to, I don't know if the word flashy is, is quite correct, but, um, th this to me was actually my entrance into the, the style of fighting game that I would say are kind of in the versus games where you got, um, a little bit more complex mechanics in terms of the different ways that you can, uh, interact with your opponent. Not to say that uh, Street Fighter or Fatal Fury aren't uh, complex, but uh, that was something that where I hadn't actually understood um, the depth of something like that before. And on top of that, I really uh, I didn't really get the backstory for it, but I really enjoyed the the approach to character design. It was much different than something I'd seen. I don't think, uh, from my perspective, I'd understood it as anime, but I really kind of uh, gravitated to it quite a bit. I just I, it, like it's, it's it's funny looking back. I've always felt that uh, Guilty Gear has felt like a really clean game and, it, and looking back at like older screenshots like you can see how it's evolved and even uh the strive stuff is super clean but even going back then it's like it's not as clean as i remember it but it still was uh, there's something about the aesthetic that was always um 
always had that element to it that I can't quite describe that felt it felt like really really uh, lived in like the the backgrounds yes. like they felt really uh, in the world even though I didn't know much about the lore when I first started playing it there's a dig into that yeah there's a visual confidence that this game had early on where even if you weren't completely familiar with the world building that was established you felt like the dirt that hit your feet was convincing enough that you were settled in this world. Like yeah. the moment that I pushed slash or heavy slash with soul, I was indoctrinated into the world of guilty gear hearing, you know, his sword hit against another opponent, the music, it, the atmosphere of it, I was pulled from my seat, uh, you know, and, and that's something that, it's not that it didn't happen with Street Fighter because it did in its own way for me, but Guilty Gear had a very specific way of pulling somebody like myself uh, into that world and then becoming so immersed in it that, uh, I mean, to this day, I mean, it's 2020 and, uh, you know, it still gives me goosebumps just talking about like the first time I touched Guilty Gear. Yeah, I mean, uh, confidence is such a good word. Video yeah. 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 yeah, no, like yeah, the way you talk about that, yeah, the, the the level of it. Um, this isn't exactly a first impression, but I still have really vivid memories of uh, Jason Lee beating me down with May, which just like constantly <laughs> being assaulted by dolphins and, <laughs> and an anchor and just getting hit with like the, just the the embarrassment of getting finished off with a giant whale. It just um, <laughs> it, it was burned into my memory. But like, there's something about like the the forward momentum. I think it was one of the first fighters that I played that had that kind of rundown, like I really felt that rundown style. Um, yeah. Not that it didn't exist, I'm just not as experienced of a fighting uh, game player. Was it the first fighting game with an air dash? Um, I, I, I don't know if it was the first. It but, was uh, probably the most well-known first game. Yeah. I, I feel like there may have been another game that had an air dash mechanic or something similar to it. Uh, yeah. Just to piggyback off of Sean in terms of like uh, rushdown, um, yes. you're, you're talking to somebody that, uh, that is, that is my jam, right? So that is your, it, your ethos <laughs> when yeah. it comes to playing, right? Yeah. yeah. So, so like Street Fighter 2 was a game that was about spacing and zoning. And there were moments that you could kind of like prey on like the conditioning of your opponent to be a bit more aggressive and more confident. Guilty Gear, you know, took that to a different level where, you really could express yourself with the character and you could, you know, analyze what you knew about, you know, the character's normals. And I mean, frame data wasn't as accessible back then. It was around, but it was kind of like, you know, you would see those books in Japan. They wouldn't be here. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah I, I, once... I just want to chime in real quick. Like 1998, we, we did not have YouTube, you know, like yeah. uh, game FAQs was like barely a thing. Uh, you know, yeah. like, it, it was, uh, you, you really, really had to, like, do your research to learn anything about fighting games back then. Or, or you know, you just had to be baptized by fire in the arcade or, on in, in this case, on the console, on, on the game itself. You, you had to figure yeah. out a lot of it for yourself. Yeah, um, the thing about it is that, uh, you know, playing fighting games up to this point, it was like, I felt like I was one of the few who was trying to push as hard as you could like the whole idea of like offensive offense expression and you always felt limited you only felt a little more freedom in like the versus games right but, but with guilty gear 
there was a different feel and approach. It was like, hey, do you want to hit your opponent 95 times? <laughs> Welcome to Geeky Gear. <laughs> uh, it's possible. Yeah, you have a 30 hit or a 40 hit right now. But once you understand that the flags haven't been turned off yet, you're going to start to embrace the inner savagery that this game allows you to do. And there was like an incremental step for me with that. And I began to become more obsessed with the idea of like, I can move confidently as if I'm an anime character in this game. I can literally like make a Sakuga reel of a combo in this game, you know? And that was something that, outside of like custom combos and maybe like some of the infinites in like Marvel superheroes, I really didn't get a chance to experience. So, and the thing with guilty gear was, yeah, there's infinites, but those combos in terms of variation could be completely different. So it was like freeform painting. Like it was like, uh, within obviously understanding the mechanics, but there was a point where you can understand, okay, this is what I need to do, but I can keep this combo going with other things. So there was a certain type of expression in Guilty Gear in the beginning that to this day is unparalleled. The game was busted, but like <laughs> you were allowed to express yourself. It was like you had the biggest canvas in the world. Uh, and that's like such a wonderful feeling for somebody like me who, you know, was who grew up looking at John Choi winning like CBS2 tournaments and looked at people like Alex Valle. Uh, even Daigo at a, at a certain point in my life and in the future, like Deshiken. Um, so seeing that there was a game that allowed this kind of feeling was like, it was into- it was like intoxicating. Like I felt like it was like drugs. Like I was like, I can't get enough of this, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, something that uh, uh, you mentioned as well, <laughs> although now that I'm thinking about it, especially the, the neuro one, it really must, it really kind of feels like you're taking drugs, like the amount of color on the screen and the way that they deliver it so cleanly. Um but what, what you made me think about it as well is the, the anime aspect of it uh, is something where uh, playing characters like uh, Chip, for instance, you also kind of feel like I don't think I'd ever played something that really captured the anime feel of like someone moving so quickly that you can't see them. Yes. Or, and yeah, it yeah. feels like I don't know if they went after archetypes, but it almost feels like uh, everything that you expect out of a great anime, like uh, you like, for instance, like a uh, an evil oozing uh, uh, form that can like take anything at once. Uh, being able to capture like speed without even being able to see it, uh, like just the kind of the, the way that they did that, uh, I think contributed to what you were talking about. Just... I think um, it, it's inter- interesting you mentioned that because uh, so Guilty Gear is known as like the anime fighting game series now, right? Like, and it it set the yeah. template for how future anime fighting games would be. But um, uh, Sean, you mentioned earlier, like the first time you saw it, you didn't necessarily think like, oh, this is an anime game. You just thought it was a really cool looking game, right? Like they they were, were onto this aesthetic, much like Capcom and SNK, where it's um, it is very Japanese, obviously, like, uh, but it's very globally appealing. It's there's nothing alienating about it. You don't you don't need any special knowledge. Um, they're just cool characters. You can get them right away, and and even though it is like a very anime game, like uh, they didn't actually lean into anime archetypes that hard. Like they, they, every character was just interesting on their own. Like, you know, Chip's a ninja, but he's just a really interesting character. They didn't, you know, need to give him like a face mask or anything. Like he, he's, he's still Chip, uh, Soul uh, and uh, Kai. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Him, okay. him and like, uh, um, like, I don't know, some of the other characters are, like, they're so weird that uh, yeah. you can't help but be interested in how they move. Yeah. <laughs> but you're right, they're not, like, I, they're not really, like, anime character-type archetypes, but it's more like the 
the visual aspect of, of anime that uh, I didn't yeah, know yeah. you could connect is uh, it's there. I even I even noticed this um, weird is uh, things like with Potemkin. Uh, I noticed like over time he's always had like a uh, a kind of a blur frame because his his fists are so huge. And even yeah. in even in Strive, he still has them. And there's just something really satisfying about it. And I um I don't know if it's really an anime thing. It's just something that I noticed uh, about the way that the game moves that makes it feel like it has that forward momentum, even when you're yeah. something huge, even when you're huge like Potemkin, where you can like not move as quickly. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think I think one of the the things about Guilty Gear and about Ishibatari is that it's it's personally personal. Like there's a very like he's been exposed to so many different things just because of his path in life. And there's something about his experience that's so specific yet so accessible in terms of like just visual palette subconsciously that when you look at Guilty Gear, it's almost a, uh, it's almost like a catalyst for, you know, what people are talking about now in terms of like uh, global collaborations for animation projects. Cause you have like, you know, animation studios in, you know, Asia working with an American writer or working with a non-Asian or non-Japanese writer to make a collaborative project that promotes global accessibility. And I feel like Ishiwatari was doing that in his own way without trying to hit like a particular mark. He was just like, I have the resources to express myself as a, a director and a creator, and I want to make this thing, so I'm going to do it. Um, and it feels like that's part of what makes these things so confident and makes them so anime, but so not anime at the same time. Like it's, if you dig deeper in terms of the layers, it's like, okay, you look at Zato one, it's like, well, Zato is blind, right? His name is Zato one, one in Japanese is each. So it's Zato each, you know, like there's references to things that he grew up with that happen to be Japanese without feeling like you need to have like a, uh, an otaku prerequisite before you can actually like absorb this and actually get something from it that you enjoy. Uh, and that's, that's a very confident and very uh, like, it, there's an amazing achievement to do with an IP. It's such an early time in all of this. Yeah. I have a lot of respect for Ishii Watari. Uh, he's kind of, <laughs> I, I, I look at him like, I, I, I want to be like that guy in my own way. You know, like it, it's, it's just an amazing thing with Guilty Gear, man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he didn't just build like a whole world. He, he built this really cool aesthetic, you know, that that so many people have uh, riffed off of since. Oh God, yeah. I mean, uh, you, you could you could argue that even though we're talking about this idea of like anime, I, I think you, you could argue that before uh, Guilty Gear, that games like Fist of the North Star or the JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, like fighting games, didn't quite feel like that, and maybe they hadn't quite thought like th- there wasn't quite a drive to make them as much as like obviously now they have new like dragon ball fighting games coming out all the time that are awesome like right uh, we have ones like fist of the north star and uh even capcom started uh bringing out other ones that like that they have that that kind of uh rush feel to them uh that isn't uh i think I, you could almost credit guilty gear with uh creating that appetite oh for sure for sure yeah, let's uh, let's get in a little bit to uh, maybe some of the games that might have influenced uh, Guilty Gear, whether the gameplay or the the aesthetics. Uh, obviously, Street Fighter Two started it all, and uh, uh, you know th- that was stated as an influence. But um, yeah, what, what do you guys feel like were uh, some of the games with that rushdown feeling before Guilty Gear? Uh, 
I would say on a very specific, like, subtle level that JoJo's, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure actually uh, was a bit of a catalyst for that. And it's interesting because Capcom made a fighting game for JoJo. And the the feel of it was like this, they were trying to go for this middle ground of, okay, we have, you know, over-the-top visuals, we have uh, particular sound design, and then we also have mechanics that are, that promote aggression within a simplified, uh, you know, sort of button layout, but also in terms of how combos worked, in terms of stringing things together. Um, and there's a there's a particular feeling with that game that is unusual. Like if you go from playing street fighter two or any final fight, anything, and then you play Jojo's bizarre adventure, it is a specifically weird feeling game, but it's so uh, inviting. Even the way that the announcer, uh, you know, talks, you know, the sound design behind that, like the modulation of that, it reminded me of the first time I heard, um, you know, heaven or hell let's rock in guilty gear. Like yeah. it's a it's a very warped sort of sound where you're like, what am I what am I experiencing? Like what is this world kind of thing? And I feel like JoJo was like an attempt at like bringing that unusual uh, feeling and tone to a game, and then Guilty Gear was like the next step for that. Yeah, I think um, yeah, I I think JoJo might have been a contemporary of Guilty Gear actually. I think they might have both dropped in '98. Uh, um, yeah, I, I keep forgetting about that. Uh, was it that early, really? Okay. Yeah, yeah. I keep yeah, I keep forgetting about that mainly because my experience with JoJo, like early on in terms of the game itself, the arcade game, is through accounts of people who played the beta for it at Golfland, oh, and okay. like because it existed, but it was kind of this like quiet, mysterious game that you know back then not a lot of people knew about JoJo. So yeah. it was like this weird sort of like, I don't know what this game is. It's really cool, <laughs> yeah. but I oh, just no, don't know, you know? No one knew who those characters were in America back then. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Oh, man, we could do another podcast about JoJo, the, the <laughs> Capcom one. Um, let's talk maybe a little bit about the, the Versus games, uh, which, again, we could do a whole another series of podcasts on that. But um, just real quick, like uh, I, I think as far as mainstream fighting games go, um, I think the... Uh, starting with like Children of the Atom, you know, one of the first games with the CPS2 signature look. I think that was mm-hmm. one of the first games to really nail that like anime style feeling. Like obviously it was a Marvel comic, but um, de- in in developing that game, they leaned really heavily into stuff from like Dragon Ball and Fist of the North Star. Mm-hmm. I think like uh, for yeah. for the presentation and and that feeling of just rushing someone down and doing these insane combos and and then the yeah. uh, super moves. Uh, I what was the first Capcom game with supers? Was it super? It was super it turbo. Super, super turbo, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, and then um, super moves actually came from literal anime games, like uh, right, like uh, yeah. for for Super Famicom for the Genesis. I remember like uh, uh, Yu Yu Hakusho for the Super Famicom, like way back, way back was the first game I remember where you had to, you know, charge your super meter and then you could do like a signature attack from the anime. Um, so, you know, Capcom was already uh, taking notes there. Um, yeah, but then, yeah, Guilty Gear was the first to really, really, like, overtly uh, uh, put it all together, I think. 
Oh, and of course, you know, obviously, like Darkstalkers uh, for the presentation and the the feeling of rushdown, right? Like just mauling yeah. the other person. Yeah. I think some of the some of the the weird aesthetic that you see with, see with characters like like Faust forever. I think a lot of that uh, at least comes a little bit from Darkstalkers. Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah. I think Darkstalkers must have been a big inspiration. Like um, uh, Testament kind of is is very inspired by by Jetta, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Like Jetta, like like Jetta, and then Donovan. Like there's a interesting. Like, oh yeah. Kind of, yeah, yeah, Donovan. Like, yeah, his silhouette is very. It's similar. It's there's a interesting synergy between uh, mm. his character silhouette between Donovan and Jetta, and there's like a. It's it's almost like someone took a recipe for something and made something entirely different using the same ingredient somehow. Yeah. You know. Um, <laughs> Like it's kind of it's it's kind of interesting. Like you really think about like how specifically uh, engrossing um, Testament's idle animations are, uh, his standing animations. Like there's a lot that comes from something that's already established, but it's still new. Um, God, wow. (laughs) I I think it's it's kind of what Richmond was also saying about like uh, Chip as well. I think a lot of these these characters uh, you could do like. you know, like a, a death character or a, a vampire hunter or a ninja a certain way, but they chose to do them with the same ingredients in pretty different ways. Like, if you look at... Yeah. Uh, even, like, even Slayer is uh, a pretty interesting uh, approach to the archetype that he's technically made out of. Yeah, because I, I feel like there's, like, hints of Dimitri, there's Dudley, there's... Uh, there's a little bit of Dudley, for sure. <laughs> like, like yeah, there's, there's the Boss Coffee... Mascot. Yeah. 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 Oh, dude. Yeah, I totally forgot about that. That's so right. Yeah. All right. Let's. Um. Uh. Slayer came in X. Though. Let's. Let's stick to the the original. This who is your favorite true. character? I apologize. It's my fault. No. 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 It's all good. Tangent. This is. We're all about tangents. Um. Wh- yeah. Who. Who. Who were your favorite characters in? Uh. Yeah. The original Guilty Gear. So for me, I mean, I gotta. I gotta. I gotta throw it out here, man. Yeah. I was a big, big soul chip in Melia right. and like like but soul oh, was like the yeah, I know, right? <laughs> but but soul <laughs> was the, the the one that captured me first. Like um okay. for a long time I was that kid who really identified with Ryu, right? So yeah. in high school, my school ID, I put the super turbo character art from the character select screen of Ryu on there instead of my face. <laughs> like that was kind of something that I identified with. So when I saw Soul in Guilty Gear, it was like, I don't care if you're not supposed to be the Ryu of this game. You're the Ryu to me. Yeah. And the moment I started moving with him and doing special moves and stuff, I was like, okay, you are the Ryu. And it's like the moment that I heard Soul's voice, the moment that I felt how it felt to hit buttons with him, it was just like, I'm supposed to learn this game with you. Like, mm. I'm supposed to, like, walk down the road of the gameplay of this game with this character. And then I can re-enter it with other characters. Like, it was a very uh, just specific kind of vibe I got when I was playing uh, the game with Soul. And uh, it just, it felt right. And even though he had moves that were similar to Ryu, it still yeah. felt new. It still felt fresh. Yeah. That, that must have been by design, right? Because, I mean, on, yeah. on a very surface level, like, you know, he has a Dragon Punch equivalent, he has a Fireball equivalent, he has a Hurricane equivalent, and yet a Hurricane Kick. But um, he feels so different. 
Yeah. Um, it even comes down to stuff like uh, his idol animation. Um, there's a certain type of confidence that a character can have when they're in a world that is so harsh and so cruel as Guilty Gear, where, I mean, literally, before the fight starts, the mantra is heaven or hell, and he's standing there. There's no, like, style. There's no, like, guard or sense of protection of himself. It's a character that is so strong and so confident in who they are that they're willing to just walk into whatever it is that they have to face. And that yeah, spoke a so lot to me. Yeah, nonchalant. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that spoke a lot to me. Um, and it introduced an aspect to the character without words that, uh, to this day, it's something that you still feel uh, when you look at Guilty Gear, where it's like, yeah, he has a fireball, he's got a dragon punch, he's got a hurricane kick, but this guy is not Ryu. Yeah. <laughs> he is not Ryu at all. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, the, the, the personality of the characters came through uh, not just the way they looked, but the way they played, like, so well. Um, I, I, I think that's, for me, that's why Guilty Gear is so special. That's why it is up there with, you know, Street Fighter and Samurai Showdown. Like, it's it's the characters, man. Like, they they sing. You, you, you feel them, you know? You, yeah. you, Soul is so badass. And, you know, everyone wants to make a badass character, but, like... It's kind of like how, like, you know, Ryu is, like, a uh, uh, yeah, cursory look. He's, like, a karate guy, but he is the karate guy. And then Soul is just, like, the badass. Like, yeah. <laughs> it, it it sounds so nondescriptive, but when you play it, you're like, whoa. Like, everything he does really convincingly sells that. And then and then you have, like, uh, Kai, right? Like, he, he's sort of the Ken of the game, right? Yeah. They're, they're the two rival characters, the characters with the most familiar moveset. But they feel so different. Like somehow, without knowing the backstory, you could tell that like Soul is the badass and Kai's sort of like the straight edge dude, right? Like he he feels a little, you know, like a uh, little more zipped up, a lot cleaner somehow. <laughs> yeah, we have it's... like he has like crosses in his uh, uh, in his move set. Like he yeah, he, does, he yeah. has like a lot of his moves like clearly indicate that he he has some level of respect for the style, like. You know, not doing something that's underhanded, like the way that he holds his sword and everything like that. Yeah, he has like very clean kind of uh, posture, right? He he's definitely wearing some kind of uniform. There's sort of this church theme going on. It's it's very orderly. And then Soul just struts in, not even in like a stance, kind of like stretches his neck a little bit, <laughs> you know, before you fight. It's awesome. It, it's to, to to add to that, right? I mean, let's think about this, right? Let's think about another badass, right? Kenshiro, right? Kenshiro yes. is is a confident badass who is quiet and strong and very firm in what he says. But even Kenshiro has a fighting stance. Yeah. You know, like even Kenshiro has a moment where he readies himself, where he prepares yeah. himself. The soul is always prepared, so he doesn't have to. Like yeah, his, these... wait, so his idol is just, he's just standing there, right? <laughs> yeah. Soul just that stands there. That was unheard of. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I can't think of anyone else in any fighting game before this where the, you know they're just kind of relaxed, just nonchalant, yeah. standing there. Yeah, he, he's so relaxed that, and I think this is still his iconic like finish pose. He throws his sword into the ground and kind of like yes. walks away from it. Yeah. yeah, or he turns his back. Like there's a like, and I feel like I mean again, you know, Dark Stalkers probably was an influence, but even if you take uh, Dimitri's idol animation. There's something about the repeated animation of him breathing and his posture with his chest that still mm -hmm. gives the idea of, like, regalness and, like, there's a certain class to him. 
But the yeah. way that Soul is, Soul is so relaxed that even though they're both standing there, you get two different visual languages in terms of their silhouette and their actual like posture. Uh, and that's something that's in- incredibly uh, you know, engrossing for a character because it tells you so much about them before you know anything. Um, and, and just it's, it's, it's wild how something like just standing can say something you know yeah. like yeah it really it really yeah, is yeah cuz th- this was before games were expected to have like full voice acting and and cut scenes and and you know budgets of like 80 million dollars <laughs> like right like everything was the equivalent of like an indie game today like that back yeah. then pretty much yeah i mean there's another thing i i want to point out i mean this might be a little like specific but so you look at Ryu right and you look at soul mm-hmm. and you know we we've, we've talked about the similarities but the differences right in Super Turbo, Ryu gained a move that was called an overhead, where he yes. you, you, you move the stick toward right, and it's a medium yeah. punch. It's it's yeah. a two hit punch. Yep. Soul has a move that is similar to this, where he hits toward and heavy punch, and he reaches very far and very long, and he puts his whole body into this attack, and it's two hits, and it's a very slow overhead, but it looks so grisly and so painful and it's like the variation between the two is so stark but they're doing the same thing yeah. they're doing the same thing but you feel something so different uh i mean again this is a testament to uh the creativity and the uh, design philosophy behind uh the way that characters move in guilty gear and how they express themselves even though they're doing similar things you get a completely different feel uh like it's just, <laughs> I guess I mean I could go on and on about like you know these things, but I just I, it was like it kind of came to me. I was like, ah, oh, no, dude, that's true. Like you can, you know. Yeah, Sean, who was your favorite character? Uh, I'm like partially embarrassed to say this, but uh, nah. I I actually uh, so initially I played the shit out of Kai. Like uh, oh, yeah, and, and like but I don't know if uh, if y'all are uh, kind of recognize this. You ever start a game off and you play one character you play them so much that once you get back into the game and you play all the characters and you go back you realize that your playtime of the initial character so far outpaces the amount oh, yeah. of the lifetime this is kai for me um and i like what i mean by embarrassed is like originally uh i really enjoy like like i said the the kind of sword moves and uh, i think richmond especially knows this about me i'm like a really big fan of uh like paladin classes and stuff so him being oh, okay. like kind of like a sacred knight thing was very i thought was very cool um but for uh, once i got like really into it and uh, i started winning once i got good or not against like people like james but winning in my own right (laughs) i started feeling like oh no this is the ken this is the ken of this game you you know how you always kind of feel when you're playing ken or Ryu, where you're like "Eh, they're they're not cheap but like they're kind of like easier in, in a lot of people's mind so then i started gravitating i was like okay i gotta get better than other characters so i started playing a lot of chip and man, am I so bad with Chip, but I was really enjoying his play style, like the kind of uh, dash thing and the kind of the, the the kind of trap trick thing that you can do. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I always, I always like still like Kai is my safe space. Um, I really, uh, I just en- I enjoy the, the feel and the, a- the aesthetic. And uh, there's something about like the the way that he does the the rush mechanic with the sword, like by which I mean, uh, I forget what the what the actual attack is, but you know the one he has where he dashes forward with the sword and catches someone with it. Uh, is it uh, is it an attack that hits low or does it hit high? It hits low. 
It's low. Yeah, that's his uh, slide. I can't think of the name right off the top of my head right now, but I know the, exactly what movie. Yeah, you're talking yeah. So, about. so there's something like uh, I it used to be able. To, I don't know if you can do it in the newer games, but you used to be oh, able yeah. to, to combo out of the slide, which is yes. what was yeah, like yeah. my that was my like my bread and butter. Oh, so that's one of his iconic moves. Like it, it sounds so simple if you describe it to you know any listeners here. Like yeah, it's slide, and he kind of swipes outwards towards the screen with a sword, but it has a very specific feel to it. Like it, it's just very kai i, I don't so, know how else to put it so 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 i'm gonna okay i have a lot of things to say about kai but mostly in strive so i'm gonna save that for when we talk about okay. strive how, however <laughs> however uh the move that we are talking about um i believe is called stun edge i could be wrong here however i'm gonna just go with that no it's not stun edge because that's his fireball um I think it may be split cell, but it's the slide move, basically, right? So, yeah. for example, Guy has a slide in mm. Alpha, right? It's a very specific move within his run command, where if you hit a certain button, he does the slide. This move was a move that could be comboed. It was a move that, on a, I guess, more casual level, it could be used as a surprise element because he goes forward horizontally so quickly and he knocks you down. It, it had its uses, but when you look at how Kai's works, it's like, okay, initially, the slide move is an initial hit, and then he does the, the, the slash as he's moving horizontally and low to the ground. It's like a low-profile move. So he does that, and you're like, okay, cool. I can combo into that. I can knock you down. I can potentially set up momentum for, like, another attack. Like, that's cool, right? However, as you explore the game, you know, you can cancel out of the slide, you can get more damage and more hits, but you can also set up more opportunities for offensive pressure. That's something that Guy never had, but the guy Guy's slide existed before Kai did. So the idea is that it, you're seeing like the, I guess the influence, but then you're seeing also okay, well, how can we expand upon not just an aesthetically pleasing looking move, but also how can we expand the the dynamic of an offensive player that wants to keep constant pressure. Like, like you know, yeah. you know what? You're you're actually making this connection to me. Like if you if you were to be like, oh, guess what my favorite alpha character is? It's Guy, actually. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, like, I like I actually like Guy so much that it made me want to like uh, Fighting Jam. Uh, like I, yeah, I we played, played oh, that out of that game, dude. <laughs> or Fighting or Fighting Evolution, whatever they called it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but oh yeah, I didn't even. You're, you're right. It did have the the aspect um, of of changing the the attack based on the. Based on the normal that you activated it with, but uh, yeah, well, I didn't even make that connection. That's pretty cool. Yeah, You're I right. never connected those two characters. It's yeah, it, 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 yeah, goes to show you like th this game was made for a very uh, sophisticated fighting game audience. Like back back then, the games were very mature. Like fighting games had gone from a novelty to something that like was like a lifestyle <laughs> for some players. Um, and then it was a time where, you know, uh, some people felt, oh, everything's starting to feel the same. And then, like, this game came out with, like, it looks familiar, but then there's so many subtle differences. And, and every character was so badass. Like, they, everyone yeah. felt overpowered. And, and everyone had, like, normal moves and, like, weird moves you wouldn't expect, you know? Yeah. Well, and, uh, and to, to mention, like, I mentioned before that I used to play a lot with Jason, and he was uh, disgustingly good at May. Um, mm -hmm. One of the one of my safe space things with Kai is that for some reason with Kai his I don't know if it's his dragon punch but you know his like upwards arc thing that where his sword mm -hmm. kind of comes up that was yeah. one of the only ways that I was able to successfully get out of being assaulted by Jason's uh, May combos 
there, there was something about it that worked for me. And it wasn't that, that I could do a move better on Kai. There's just something about the, uh, the way that it worked that it, um, that it allowed me to, to feel safe when fighting his may otherwise like other characters i was always like constantly on the back foot yeah i mean it's it's uh it's interesting like just talking about like the combination of like the experiences that people have with the game like visually but also like even on a level of like hitting buttons against another opponent and like how this game uh makes you feel uh i i mean there's something about like when you play street fighter and you fight zangief right like even if you don't understand uh, the competitive intricacies of Street Fighter, you understand you don't want to get close to them because you know that like that guy's really big and he can hurt me. Even if you haven't seen a pile driver before, you're like, I don't want him near me. Like that's kind of like the idea of like how you want to fight Zangief, right? With Potemkin, it's like times a thousand because Potemkin also you want to keep out, but Potemkin can come in. It's like he comes at you like a truck going like yeah. 800 miles an hour like even if like the move is not that good the idea of someone that big moving that fast towards you that can do so much damage to you is such a terrifying experience it's almost like it's taking uh similar experiences that you may have had with other fighting games and then it takes it to that next level where there's a sense of fear because of what this character represents not just competitively but within the world of guilty gear it's like if you were in the world of guilty gear and Potemkin started to bang his fist together at you, you're like, oh, God, like, what am I going to do? <laughs> like, I, like, I, I always was... liked his, his original de, original design where, you know, like how he had the uh, the brace around his head? Like, so, so like, the, the arc of his body looks like um, his head's going to be huge, but then it isn't. And I, I found yeah. something about that felt very intimidating to me. Like, his, his fists are you know, huge. You know, what's, <laughs> you know what's interesting about that is uh, that's a very, like, Marvel comic kind of thing, too where you see, like, these big, larger-than-life characters, like Venom or, uh, you know, like, like, Venom's probably the best example for me. His head is really small compared to his body, and it gives this sort of imposing presence. Uh, and I think that that's a similar thing that you feel when you look at Potemkin, where you're just like, oh, my God, like, your arms are so massive. I feel like all I see when I see Potemkin is his arms and his fists. Like... I yeah. Well, and I didn't realize this until I learned more about it later originally, but uh, kind of coming back to it, uh, a lot of the design has to do with him being, uh, he, I think he, he was like a prisoner or a slave or something. He was, yeah. And, was and I think the that, that helmet style is something that was like, he's so powerful, that was how they had to contain him. Uh, I think it's a bomb that'll kill him if he disobeys orders. Um, is it really? Oh, I didn't like, know that part. He's, he, he, I, I, okay. Don't quote me on that. That's what a battle royal reference. Uh, uh, did that movie come come out around then? This, battle Royale is a pretty old movie. Uh, probably yeah. did. I, yeah, sure. I just want to talk a bit about. Um, I'm staring at a video as as we talk. Like Potemkin is such a good design, right? He's a big bruiser, you know. But um, there's something like about him that's different. Like he he's not like a big snarling dude. Like, he, he doesn't seem, like, slow mentally. He's not, like, a big, slow dude. Like, so many aspects of his design are interesting, right? And especially if you know the backstory. But, like, even if you don't know it, you, you see a big guy. You see the collar. It, it doesn't look like it does anything for his fighting. It's not armor. But you, you so you're like, oh, why does he even have that? Later, you know, you find out it's it's actually to constrain him. Because uh, he, he's he's a slave. He's, he's, he's uh, from the this this you know 
class that people have deemed uh, less than human. And then um, his expressions aren't like mean, actually. He, he doesn't look that angry while he's fighting. And then he also, you know, it's like he has a barcode on his shoulder. Again, that's like kind of gives you some indication of like uh, the dehumanization that he, he's gone through, right? Like there's these mysterious evocative elements that that tell you something about the character, even if you don't know his backstory. And uh, he, he's even just wearing jeans. <laughs> jeans are literally, you know, those are like, <laughs> jeans are the clothing of the working class. They were they were originally made for like people to go dig in, 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 in mines, right? So, um, oh, yeah, great, oh, I, great I checked on it. Yeah, uh, this is actually, I thought it was much older. Uh, Battle Royale came out in 2000. Yeah, oh, okay. yeah. So it was before Battle Royale. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe the book. Battle Royale. Yeah. Maybe the book, maybe. Uh, but scanners. When you, you, oh, yeah. yeah. Maybe Scanners. Because Scanners yeah. came out in, like early, mid-90s, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. I guess you're saying Potemkin is like Dave Bautista of anime. Like, <laughs> like there's, there's, yeah, there's something more, right? You, you, you see him and you're like, ah, oh, there's something more to this guy. He's not just a meathead. Yeah, yeah. He's just, you know, even his uh his character portrait uh that's a very like almost like a slightly dignified posture of his head. Um, oh, he's straight like, on. Yeah, he's very yeah. straight on. He's very uh like linear and direct, and and that's yeah. a specific design choice um oh totally you know yeah yeah like like kai's portrait he's kind of looking down a little bit uh, it kind of indicates he's actually what is he like he's like literally two or three years old in the game <laughs> so he's kind of not fully yeah. confident in himself right axel's looking off to the side you know he's a little kind of a punk right yeah and then potemkin's like just straight on just just yeah looking right at you yeah even souls is slightly asymmetric even though he's head on there's a tilt there's a sense yeah, of, yeah. Of, of of directed defiance with uh yeah, yeah. Know, it's very slight built. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's yeah. Uh, so many so many you know, glorious all, things. All and this is the first game. <laughs> yeah, this is just the first one. We haven't even gotten into the later one. Like but th- that's why we can talk about it for so long. Like it's yeah. they thought about every little aspect of the game. I, I think this is going to what I was talking about, what I mean, like you I could put my finger on it, but the whole uh like even though I didn't know the lore initially, like the the fact that they all belong to the, like, they feel like they belong to a singular world. And that even though you don't understand all these crazy characters, like why they're fighting, if you don't, because if I recall, like the story wasn't even in the game, it was like in the manual or something. Right. Uh, Uh, For the first one, I think if you beat the game, you you get a little bit, I think. Well, I mean like the, like the pure backstory, like the actual, like the setting and stuff like that. Do they ever explicitly tell you? No, but but there's no intro, right? Like, let's say you, you buy the game, you, you boot it up. You don't, know the story until you actually finish the game with the character you don't know that character's backstory until you do that which is uh, probably unimaginable for people today <laughs> and what it's, it's, not, it's not to say that like games like street fighter didn't feel like they belonged in the same world but they you know they were much more they were much less concerned with telling the story around it whereas this one like the once once you kind of go back you start seeing the details that really build up to it like the advent of magic is very clear in the yeah. backgrounds and how the characters yeah. interact but you don't have to know about it I, I, I just want to expand on that a bit. Okay, so like past fighting games, like like Street Fighter, um, it was based on real life, anyways, and it, it, they they were riffing on existing uh, fighting styles. So you you got a really varied cast, but they they fit together just you know just cause like uh, I mean, I mean they, they fit together really well for 
we could go into that very deeply, but but Guilty Gear was building its own original world. It wasn't based on any franchise. And like you said, like they all feel like they belong together. They're of this world. It I think that's why it felt like an anime series, like not superficially. It felt like it had the depth of like a whole season of like a really good show or a whole arc of a really good comic. Like every, the stages, let's talk about the stages a little bit, right? Like, like uh, Cliff's stage has like a dead dragon in the back and that dude has like a dragon killing cleaver, you know? And like, he's an old dude. You, you, you immediately know this guy's a veteran, right? You don't need yeah. to read that in the backstory. You can tell like this dude has seen it all, right? Uh, and and then there's there's like a cute little dragon in the background too, just to give it a little bit more character, and maybe also to offset it, lets you know like dragons are a thing in this world, you know? Like this wasn't a one-off monster. This wasn't like he didn't tragically kill some rare thing. Like this is just yeah, you know. Business as usual for him. He, he I, killed a giant. I, I, giant. You'll, you'll have to correct me. I, I I played so much Guilty Gear X. I'm some I'm sometimes conflating them, but I remember Maze Stage being on top of her ship. Is that in the first one? That's, or is that's that the first one. Yep. Yep. Yeah, that's that, the first even one. before yeah. Johnny existed, uh, May was on a giant, you know, a Miyazaki-looking ship. But, uh, but mean, he is referenced ha- because it says "Love Johnny" like pretty clearly on the stage, if I recall. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So they already had all this lore worked out and. I mean, like, yeah, back then, you know, I, there, there were a lot of creative games back then. But, like, you know, May Stage was really unique. You're fighting on a airship. Uh, you can, you know, it conveys she's some sort of air, air pirate, maybe. You know, there's other, like, young women in the background looking happy. But they're on yeah. these kind of, like, warship-looking things. Oh, uh, and then um, uh, Zato, Zato stage felt so demonic, right? That that was that felt like a heavy yeah. metal, like yeah. 80s album cover. Like there, there was <laughs> you know, a pentagram. There's like the dudes in th- these wraiths floating. Yeah, go go ahead, go ahead. I, it's it's funny that you uh, you were talking about that because I remember as a kid, right? Like, again, I'm dating myself wild here, right? Um, I was in Ocean City with my parents and, uh, I went past one of these like t-shirt like kiosks where they're selling all these t-shirts and there's like metal bands and all this stuff. And it was a picture of an album cover for like Raiden. And I remember as a kid being so enamored by the design because I'd never seen anything like it before. Mm. And I remember my mom kind of like snatching me away, like, don't look at that. That's evil. And I'm, you know, and, and, you know, my face is still looking at it. Right. And I'm like, oh, but it's so cool. And I'm like, wow, that's really neat. And I hear the music like pumping, right? It's it's not registering exactly in my head, but I, the feel of like the bass and all that stuff is like kind of playing from that kiosk as it's fading away. And I was like, but that's really cool. And when I saw his stage, I was like, hey, wait a minute. Like, I feel something that I felt again as a child, but it was in being, it's like being reintroduced to me. And I'm like, wait a minute. Like, this game, this Zato's stage and the feel of the album art and the skulls and, like, all that stuff kind of, like, came rushing back to me. Like, this is an experience that I had of something so visceral that I'd never seen before. So this is a testament to Ishiwatari's walk of life and the things that he's experienced and the feeling that he can uh, communicate visually. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 
Oh my god! I, I, I wanted to mention one. So one of the, like the the pretty iconic stages, uh, the Paris stage. Uh, I think it's is it is it interchangeably Kai and Soul stage or is it mostly Kai's? Uh, it's the one with the giant uh, bell on it. The one that you I basically think that's Kai. I mean, they share that stage though. Yeah, that's. Uh, but uh, I always like I always just uh, thought it was such a striking stage. Like so, it's so iconic. Burns in my mind. It's got like a uh, the giant bell. It's got like the wrapping stairways. Uh, I always like that kind of idea. Like that's why I think it was Kai and Solos is like that. It, it's a very balanced stage, unlike the rest of them that are very. Um, uh, they don't they don't prioritize it as much, but it's very much in the middle. Like you can kind of go both ways. Even though I think it I is. It's the most symmetrical stage, I think. It's yeah. it is. It's the most symmetrical stage design, and I feel like yeah. the intent behind it was it goes toward the you know individuality of like Kai and Soul. They're so split down oh, the middle yeah. in terms of how they are, yeah, but yeah, it also. Yeah ties into the whole heaven or hell you know like there's a a a specific type of idea of what they could be not that you know kai is necessarily heaven or that soul is hell but that depending on your perspective it could be either or and it allows yeah go go on go on yeah and it allows the player to kind of decide that as they become introduced to this world and they learn more about these characters not just how they play but the characters themselves and i think that it allows you to make that decision on your own um so so that was actually kai stage and like you said it's it's very symmetrical and orderly and like grandiose and it obviously has history to it right and it looks preserved right it's it looks pristine and then soul stage is actually a neo new york uh with the destroyed oh, statue wow, of liberty totally forgot about that. yeah so there's again so much contrast between the two characters you have kai this very orderly dude right like he you can just feel he's out there to uh, maintain order and then soul is like in the wreckage of uh you know like a, a an icon that we can recognize from our world which again going into the storytelling like you think this is a whole nother world then you 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 get to soul stage you're like oh my god it was earth all along <laughs> you know it, it, <laughs> you fools <laughs> sorry yeah no i mean that prop that's that might have been the inspiration right straight out of planet of the apes it's like oh like something yeah. terrible happened to earth and then they, they I, rebuilt I feel it. like you you can't destroy the statue of liberty and not reference that yeah <laughs> that's true yeah. Movie, yeah yeah that's true oh and i'm looking at the stage now there's um it's really interesting like uh so there's the destroyed statue of liberty there's like you know a sign that's just all bent out of shape and then in the background it looks like a mausoleum there's giant like tombstones it looks like you know these are monuments to some tragedy and then and then there's actually a perfectly clean new looking uh, bench in front of it so it, like there's some storytelling there right in the stage right it's like okay this apocalypse happened but um people are coming back like you have this bench that obviously was built recently obviously people still live here and look at this stuff and you you have these monuments in the back I, I never even consciously thought about any of this until this moment, <laughs> but like it, it establishes so much. Oh. Well, yeah. one thing that that uh, I always remember, and I, I I always forgot who it was, but um, I forget what stage it is. But there's one stage where there's like a picturesque like Cinderella castle in the background, uh, and I always uh, that always gave me that, that kind of feel like there's a lot That's of. It's Milia's uh, stage, right? Is it? I, uh... I I I never remember whose stage it was. I just remember that there's like a. And to me, that always added a little bit to the element of the the kind of discussion of what magic is in the game in terms of mm. uh, 
again, I'm, this is some of this is somewhat retroactive because I didn't know it much when I played the first game, but once I got into X, I, I learned more about it. Uh, but it still gave you that same kind of feeling, right? Like there's parts of the world that are yeah. like still kind of fairy tale and pristine. Uh, I don't yeah, know much yeah. about this character. No, it it had a good mix because it wasn't purely post-apocalyptic. It wasn't purely fantasy. Um, you know, like like uh, for instance, uh, Axel stage is pretty normal looking. It's like a train yard, right? Yeah. Um, so it lets you know, okay, like some places are okay, civilization still going. Um, but th- they they all felt like they were of the same world. Like even you know even Zato's demonic stage. Where I'm looking at it right now, like there's literally dead people. Like, yeah, there's people <laughs> nailed to the wall. It's gruesome, you know. Um, such good variety. Well, and I think uh, one of the stages also has like a bunch of visible mechs on it. Um, and I think part of the story is that they develop mechs. Uh, like they obviously you don't really yep. fight with them. That, much, that has something state, to do with yeah. the. That has something to do with the war that 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 is that predates the the setting of the game, right? Yeah, I think there's so. like a war with gears or something. Yeah. 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 Like I, I there's a lot of story that I've kind of like gone through and I, I feel like that does sound correct. Like there's there's so much that like I'm trying to make sure that I'm not talking about like uh future titles yet. Oh yeah, 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 Potemkin stage. Um uh, even his name, right? His name is yeah, if it's... you're a film fan, you'll you'll know Battleship Potemkin. So that immediately gives him a mil- militaristic feel. And then obviously like He's got that barcode, and he's fighting in front in front of like some mass-produced mech suits. So you, you get all that. You don't even if you don't know his backstory. You know, like he's got something to do with the military and a war. You know. Yeah, like it's like I think that's one of the it's, again. This is one of those things where like these characters are so just well thought out, like from what you visually see from what you intuitively feel um and it's 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 a wonderful sight to behold and i feel like that's it's consistent with like every character that's ever been introduced even characters that are lesser used yeah you know i i felt like out of the whole cast in that first game like none of them felt like uh they all had so much love put into them. You, you didn't feel like any of them were there just to fill out the cast or like, oh, we need we need a slow guy or oh, no, we need a monster guy. Like, they were all weird. <laughs> like, yeah. Every, oh, yeah. Every character was strange. <laughs> that 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 was another thing about the game. Like, um, other than maybe uh, Darkstalkers, this was a game full of weirdos. That that was pretty rare. Actually, that's still rare. <laughs> If anything, yeah. I feel like fighting games have gotten more, a uh, little bit more vanilla with the the, char- the casts since then. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. love that everyone was the weird monster character. <laughs> I I feel like I've yet to see a, a character as weird as Baldhead Faust in it. And like just the, like there's something about the way, just the way he moves and the stuff. It's just like it creeps you out immediately. It's so effective. I've, yeah, so weird. Jupiter, he was so tall. <laughs> like, that like was the other. Yeah, that was the other thing that was uh like interesting in terms of like how you in how do you like absorb that the first time you see Faust because I mean yeah you you if you've played a lot of fighting games like myself you fought Sentinel before in X Men Chosen of the Atom but that was an experience you know you fought Juggernaut in X Men Chosen of the Atom that was a very visceral experience because they're so big and you're like I don't want to go near that but with with Faust while he wasn't like as wide as those characters there was still something about it where you were just like i'm very apprehensive about approaching you he, he was creepy because he starts off yeah he's like 10 feet tall and then he crouches down he yeah. crouches down so he's lower than you 
and you're like, what is this guy doing? And then he's got he fights with a scalpel. You know, he doesn't use like a conventional. Actually, I don't know if I don't think anyone in the game uses a conventional weapon. Not even Soul or Kai or Chip. They all have pretty weird looking swords. And then Baldhead has a giant scalpel, and his moves look so violent. The, remember, he yeah. doesn't have a throw where like he catches you, throws you on the ground, and he just starts wiggling, just yes. wiggling that 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 yeah. scalpel. And, Blood what's, what's, gushes out. What's great about that, right, is Genon from Samurai Showdown had a gruesome throw. Oh, and, yeah. Yeah, and it's like, yeah. It was, yeah, it's 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 almost like the it's the thing about Gizgir that's interesting is like there's almost like this sort of pilgrimage that if you want to walk it, you can. And there's certain things that it correlates back to, and you're like, oh my god. Like, but this is also a different way to experience it because of the way they animated it, the way that the sound yeah. design works, and it 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 it, it kind of gave new life to things that were already established. And again, I mean, this is something that you could tell that the people who worked on Guilty Gear were very familiar with other fighting games and very familiar with what those experiences created for people, both competitive and casually. And seeing how they take their own takes on these things is like it's incredibly interesting to me. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I could probably go through, like, I don't know, almost all of Guilty Gear in terms of, like, established moves that there's, like, a, a little bit of an ingredient of the past. And then Arxis was like, we're going to make this ours. And yeah, you totally get on. Yeah, yeah. Totally yeah. riffing on that. Oh, man. I'm looking at a bald head stage. Um, it, it's easy to forget. Back then, so he was, like, this crazy doctor. He's, his stage had a Chinese theme, actually. Uh you know, I, you I always like, forget that he doesn't become Faust until a later game. Like I said, I, I can play Guilty Gear X a ton with the first one just because I loved it so much. Yeah. Yeah. So, so in the first game, he's actually more more of like this traditional, um, if, if if traditional medicine in Asia, like throughout Asia, is, is, is all most of it is going to a lot of it is going to be rooted in Chinese medicine. Um, so, so that's I think that's why they went actually with a Chinese theme for this uh, doctor character. It's an interesting choice, and it kind of gives him a mystical feeling, you know? Yeah, I didn't even, yeah, weird I didn't even mix. think of that. Not obvious. Not obvious at all. No, no, not 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 at all. It's it's interesting. I, I remember seeing him originally in uh, Guilty Gear, and I was, as Baldhead, I was, it's, it's, it's kind of odd, because I feel like it's like the opposite of what I guess they would expect a person to feel, but when I when I saw Baldhead at first, I was terrified. Uh <laughs> As, 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 you know, he became Faust, I was still terrified, but there was something about the bag being over his face that it, it almost kind of delineated my terror for him. Like, it was kind of like, wait, you're not so bad. And it was almost like I was being trapped into being tricked into, like, being vulnerable <laughs> to, like, a crazy person. Uh, and it probably had a lot to do with my um, love for characters like uh, Seichiro and Seichiro in X. Because that's my like visual parallel for them in terms of him being Faust, at least, where I was like, wait, there's something about you that's inviting, almost like a, a, a doctor, like a very nice, uh, you know, caring doctor. And then you see how big the scalpel is and you see yeah. his posture and you see the things that he can do. And then it's like, wait a minute, are you introducing a nightmare to me? Like, what is going on? And, and I kind of enjoyed that experience of like, I was super scared of you in the beginning, but then when you covered your face, something about you became more inviting, but then I was tricked again because you're still 
terrible. <laughs> you know, like, it's, yeah. like, I mean, for a character design to do that, uh, just from a simple change, is a, a very uh, interesting uh, experience and an, yeah. a, a testament to the thought that went into uh, the why behind certain things, not just that it looks cool. Yeah. Uh, speaking of testament, um, <laughs> do you remember fighting testament for the first time? You know, the second to last boss. Uh, yeah. It's a very interesting design. Um, for like, uh, uh, you could easily have mistaken him for for a woman. He, he uh, had a very feminine appearance. He's basically wearing uh, <laughs> women's clothes, um, which uh, even today I think would be unusual for a video game, right? Like this game was really uh, playing around with um, just different types of pair characters, types of people, you know. Like you know, it it reminds me of how I felt when I first uh experience seeing benny maru um mm. like it, rem- it reminded me of like wow like there's a, there's a male identifying character that is embracing i guess a vision a potentially visual concept of fem- femininity yeah. um and in a different way i mean you know i mean benny maru is like very like i am here i'm in contrapasto like this is who i am yeah. and for zato it's probably a bit more instrumental because there's so many other elements that are like a bit stronger for him uh but it's there you know, like it's it's more common. It's like, well, no, this is just what I wear. Like that's yeah, yeah. Like it's I, I'm not making a statement. This is just me. Um, and I think for you to be able to make that confident decision so early. I mean, this is like '98. Like yeah. for it to be so like effortlessly forward uh, is again like you, you've got some really good people designing stuff. You know, yeah, yeah. Like, like like no one, you know, the the word. <laughs> gender fluid was not in the vernacular like people didn't no. really talk about sexuality back then um yeah like that that was a few years before people introduced the word metrosexual as right. if it was should be unusual for men to like groom themselves <laughs> yeah. and then you know here here was like guilty gear pretty mainstream fighting game with um wow like this this character is badass and and very feminine it's a man that's very feminine and he's like the second strongest character in the game yeah i mean it it, it, it's it's another thing that i i really enjoyed about like the the presence of uh you know characters in this game like uh like melia um you know melia is you know it's a very sexy character without Mm -hmm. uh being so outwardly with it outside of you see her legs but you don't see her in a necessarily fan service way in her first no, no, introduction no. and uh it reminded me you know a bit of uh the confidence in female character designs in the snk on a different level like chizuru by far is my like one of my favorite character designs in the snk i feel like it's one of the most beautiful uh you know female character designs within like that world outside of mature uh and seeing melia be somebody that is quietly an attractive woman and there's more to her than that like was something else that kind of like really captured my eye to say wow you can really design things in a different way and still evoke certain things without uh necessarily embracing uh you know the typical tropes of like anime uh and if you're doing that in 98 i mean like you're already on a different level than the rest of companies if you're already thinking this way about uh, you know how you want to handle an aesthetic or how you want to portray a design of a, a, a woman in a fighting game 
Yeah, and it, and it's it's it, the iconicism is there just like Chun Li because Chun Li's legs were exposed for a long time, but she still was accepted as something that was both sexy but also classy. Uh, and I feel like Melia, in terms of her initial design, like it was again like following in a similar uh, approach, but bringing something fresh but still bringing in the statement that like she is not a dashing running sex object in the game. I think um, the design ethos of back then, like you, you tended to have a good mix uh, for for everyone, in, including female characters. They, uh, it's not like this current era of uh, you know mobile collect your waifu games. Uh, like uh, you just had really different casts. Like um, even within Guilty Gear, uh, 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 te- Testament, <laughs> Testament is a woman. This. I'm sorry, not testament. Um, I, I'm blanking out right now. The the last boss. Um, justice. 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 Sorry, uh, I can't. Yes, J- justice was such an insane last boss. And oh my uh, god. You know, like, I, do you remember fighting justice for the first time? You, you get that cutscene, right? <laughs> I I remember dying to justice quite a bit. It was oh, so frustrating. <laughs> I remember watching you try to beat Justice. We were taking turns. We were taking turns trying to beat the game for like probably like a good half hour on just the last boss. And I remember you finally, finally just like squeaked by like using Kai. Uh, that was I had to use Kai. Yeah. <laughs> there was no other character that, that I could beat him with. Oh man, I remember the first time I encountered Justice, and I, I and I remember just seeing like the the character portrait because you know it was like the in. In, like the cutscene, basically, so to speak, and I was like, "Wow, like this is this is a scary looking like character. Like I don't know what's gonna happen." I was like, "Man, but you look really cool." Yeah. And then you see the sprite, and you're like, "Wow, what a cool design!" Like I got so focused. I was like, "This character looks so cool." I'm like, "Wow, yeah. this game is so awesome." And then yeah. he took like ninety percent from me for like one move, and I was like, "Uh, okay." This is, I don't know how to feel about this, but, you know, three hours pass. And then, like, <laughs> I'm like, okay, like, can I beat this character? Is this, like, the truest, like, Shinakuma of Shinakumas at this point? And then, like, out of some <laughs> twist of fate, I guess the out that there was an AI that was presented that I could actually beat. And it was just, like, there was this weird feeling of, God, that character is so cool, but, God, I hate this character all at the same yeah. time. it's a funny thing about like these really difficult last bosses like 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 justice or chrysalid or something like yeah after a while it doesn't feel like you're fighting it definitely doesn't feel like fighting a human it's like your meat algorithm versus like the game's digital (laughs) algorithm you know what i mean (laughs) that's so true though like it's it's I wanted to add, there, there is something different about fighting a fighting game last boss than it is, like, so, uh, Richard, I think you remember this because you were sitting behind me, like, remember when I played, like, Call of Duty veteran mode and I was trying to beat this last stage? And it was just, it wasn't uh, an algorithm, it was just doing everything in the right order, exactly right, and if you screwed it up at all, you didn't win. Except fighting game bosses is not quite the same thing because, like, they're not obviously going to the exact same moveset, Um and like learning how their moves telegraph and stuff, like it's a different level of frustrating, but it doesn't feel as defeating as playing a like a game like a shooter where you're pretty much just having to make sure that you never get hit at all. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think when it comes to uh, like boss AIs, like there's like 
a few of them, right? So it's really a matter of which one repeats itself enough that you can <laughs> kind yeah. of like, you know, say, okay, this is when you're going to do this. I need to be doing X, Y, Z before this happens so that I have meters to do whatever. And I feel like with Guilty Gear, like the the, the, the issue for me was that like I, I had a harder time trying to figure out which AI to try to memorize. And then in the midst of that, what kept me playing was that the game was so beautiful that like it almost made up for how much defeat I had to accept before I beat Justice, where it was just like, but you look so cool. Like I, I, I can't be upset at this because it looks so cool. Yeah. Like I couldn't, uh, you know, it, it didn't allow me to get so frustrated with it. So it was an interesting experience, but it was so gratifying when you finally did beat Justice though. It really yeah. was. Like, you're just like, God damn, this game is so cool. Like, and I beat this coolest boss I've ever seen in my life. Like, life is good yeah. today. Oh, man, like, that, that, I, I just want to talk a bit about uh, Justice's uh, design. Because, um, well, I, I mean, like, the, the, you know, before you fight her, and I, I'm sure, I don't think anyone knew she was a her, that this was a female character no. at all. You just kind of assume it's, it's. <laughs> You see this hyper. I mean, to, to, be, to be fair, she has really long hair. Yeah, she and a very slender body, yeah. Yeah, that's the thing, though. If, if you true. do look at, at it, like she does have feminine traits, but at the time, you just see this massive, you know, mecha Hulking killing machine, mech. <laughs> like giant shoulders. And she looks a bit like. Um, do you, do you remember the episode of Bubblegum Crisis where the, 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 the opening is the gynoids, like, yes. uh, escaping? Right, and then yes. there's one that tries to grab the ship, right? Yeah. And then they, they like they, they destroy it with the thrusters. I, I feel like maybe that was the it was a the the giant boomer. They were called boomers. It was a boomer. Yeah. You know, yeah. What? it 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 does have a similar presence to uh, yeah. a boomer. I think the, the the difference is that the I guess the sound design approach to Justice was like it it wasn't as terrifying to me. Like boomers really had like like a it was just like you could feel the weight of them. And I think it's yeah, also the yeah. fact that Justice wasn't their feet, they were floating. There yes. was a different kind of yeah, uh, yeah. feeling where it was more like a, an airy sort of ethereal kind of... Uh, she, she felt very regal. Yeah. yeah. Whereas like a boomer is like That's a true. big hulking... It was like a big hulking goon. Like yeah. you just felt like... Like there was something about like, you know, their presence that was very rooted in like a reality. When you look at Justice, you, you see it as more of an entity, not like a physical yeah. manifestation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the fact that she's floating kind of lets you know, like, okay, this is different. Like, this character's huge, yeah. but they're they're gonna be fast, and you know, just the floating, just it's like, oh, okay, this person's on another level. And then just the the crazy projectile attacks. The well, well, isn't it also like you can see like the influences from like Tekken Blade? Like, it feels like yeah, something that fights yes, in yes, space, yes. right? Yeah, that's so yeah. true. Yeah, that's a good way of yeah. Yeah, you could tell, like, this thing's made to take out armies because, like, the attacks just, like, fill the screen, you know? Yeah. Well, like, it, it makes you think of, like, you know the, the anime-style thing where when two things are fighting at high speed where they just become, like, di- like bursts of light hitting each other? That's yes. kind of yeah. what Justice feels like she does all the time. Yeah. Is there even an attack where she kind of takes you up into space? Yes. Yes, yeah. and it does. I believe it does like three hundred thousand percent health. <laughs> like, it does so much. It does so much damage, and it looks so beautiful. Yeah. So you don't care, you know? Like you're just like, God, this game yeah. looks so cool. It's hard yeah, to know because it's, it's of... always followed by destroyed. 
Yeah, it's like you're like you're just dead, and I'm like, I feel like you killed me five times. Yeah, like it's doing this. It's like getting hit with seraphic wing for the first time. You're like, that was so cheap, but I'm not even angry. That was so beautiful. <laughs> yeah, like it's because you when you hear that quote, you're like, wait a minute, what's happening to the game? Like you feel like Gil is actually taking over the game because your character freezes, but he's still moving, and he's like, let me be the blesser of all souls, and then it just like the screen just loses its mind. Yeah. Uh, and it's kind of that same feeling where you're just like, this is so beautiful. It's very busted and OP that I can't block this, but yeah. Yeah. okay. <laughs> yeah. Did, did you you kind of it. Wing? I'm just, I'm not, I'm just uh, it 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 is uh in theory it is parryable. Uh shout to Crystal yeah. Shout outs to Crystal 2, 99. Uh it is escapable with Makoto. Uh, but you have to do something very weird to make the games like hit screen shift, and yeah. she can actually like not get hit by it at all. But it, only Makoto can do it, and uh, yeah. you know it's it's yeah. But it, the best thing to do is hope that you have at least eighty five percent health, so you block it, and you'll have like thirty five <laughs> cents worth of energy by the time yeah. like it's yeah. over. I think um, I mean Gil Street Fighter Three had already had come out by the time Guilty Gear came out. I wonder if that influenced their last boss design at all. It it may have honestly. Uh, Just the, the long hair, the screen filling attacks. Yeah, like Just I, the, I could the angelic feeling. I could see that being uh, a definite uh, influence. Now that you you've brought that up. Like I, because even when Gil actually shows himself, or not when he shows himself, uh, when he does resurrection, you know, he kind of has like a, a similar posture right before he stretches his arms to do resurrection, where his feet are off of the ground and like yeah, there's like yeah. that that sort of uh, presence to it. And and Gil's hair again, I mean, similar to Justice's, is very specific in terms of how it animates, how it moves. Uh, and it gives off a, a particular feeling that you don't forget. Um, Actually, now that, now that you mention it, you know the um, the pose that Justice does when she wins where her hair goes up? It actually reminds me of um, Gil's intro pose, you know, where he comes in and his yeah. clothes burn off and his hair flips and uh, shit like that? You know what? The first thing you see of... of uh, I'm watching the game right now. The first time you Same see her, right? Her hair is straight up. It's straight up like Gil's. It's, it's going straight into there. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Maybe, maybe there's something. In... I mean, Isuatari has admitted to having a a big love for Street Fighter Three. Oh yeah, yeah. That's... So oh, I mean, specifically three. Yeah. Oh, like that's cool. I didn't know. Yeah, I mean, he talks more about Third Strike, but you know, he does okay. talk about like right. Street Fighter Three. Third Strike was uh, 2000, right? Yeah. Uh, I think 99 in the 99. It was like May 99. Yeah. 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 Oh, I guess it's around the same time. Yeah. yeah. Street Fighter Three was definitely out though. Uh, Street Fighter 3 came in, what, like, 90, 96, 97? Yeah. Yeah, like, like late, late 96, 97, I think. Yeah, uh, late, it came out before Alpha 3. Yeah, yeah. It, Man, yeah the, did, the more we yeah. talk about it, the more that, like, 95 to, like, 99 was, like, a golden era of gaming. <laughs> it really oh was. Yeah. It really yeah. was. Like, yeah. There's so many things that were just coming out that were just like when you went to the arcade, it was an experience. You were like, you didn't even yeah. care if the game cost fifty cents. You were just like, I will give you the two quarters. It yeah. doesn't even matter. Uh, you know, these guys worked like super hard to make like some of the most beautiful, uh, you know, sprite art, pixel art that uh, to this day. I mean, even looking at you know Guilty Gear, and I've played Strive like a few days ago. Uh, 
even with it not being a high-res game, it's still beautiful to look at to this day. Uh, yeah. Just the amount of effort that went into uh, creating this. Like, like this game is still beautiful. Like, I honestly, I'm kind of tempted to buy the old ones again. Just you know, uh, looking at looking at videos of it makes me really want something that will play it with scan lines, though. Yes. Oh, uh, yeah. This that, is true. Um, classic TV. Uh, it yeah, needs, it's not made to be looked at with raw pixels, but still, it, still beautiful. It, it needs that artful seasoning, like yeah. sprinkled <laughs> on, like, yeah. it, like, 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 even Third Strike. Uh, you know, I have 30th anniversary, and it is per, it's relatively like perfect emulation, but those scan lines make such a big difference that yeah. like it looks the way that it's really supposed to. Yeah. Uh, and I would hope that if there's a collection, because I think there's one on the Switch of all the Guilty Gears, but. You know, oh, really? I'm hoping that yeah, there's a there's a collection of all the Guilty Gears up to I believe Revelator. I have to I have to check that again, but I, I think I saw like a collection on Switch that has a lot of Guilty Gear games, like a oh, lot. Okay. Yeah. Oh, quick yeah. quick word on Justice. I just noticed she has pretty much the same color scheme as uh, Kai, and um, I that must have something to do with the lore. I'm not actually super caught up. On, on Guilty Gear's lore, but I think wouldn't that imply like she came from the his holy order or something? Was she like a a gear like a bioweapon made by them that went I rogue? I think maybe? she was. Let's like th- I'll look that up. I think she was. I'm not too sure, but I feel like there was a conversation with Soul uh, that you know confirms that. I think it was in the first game in the ending. I, I don't remember. Been... I know she has something to do with the their version of the Crusades in the lore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She she fought. She led the crusade against humanity, and then she was sealed by the sacred holy order, uh, which you know Kai is a part of. But yeah, it um, I, yeah, like like in Kai's ending, he's confronting her, and you know, he's like, "Hey, evil can't exist in this world," and she's like, "Look, man, I'm a weapon. Like I was made to kill." <laughs> yeah, and uh, I, I think just the color scheme kind of emphasizes that like hey you know maybe he should think some more about like his side too <laughs> like what are what are they doing in the world like she she plants some seeds of doubt in him that is true that is true um man like i've i've played so many and i feel like the last thing that i remember from Ixard was like you know him like you learn a lot more about soul and where he sort of comes from so it's like it's hard to remember like because they, they they throw so much at you in exert in a good way like it's it's you just feel like when you're playing through it you're like man can i just get an anime uh yeah. speaking of which they did ask about that in the survey for the beta they did oh, ask really? like oh that was one uh, of the questions yeah that was one of the questions and i was really excited to see that like they were like you know, uh, what else would you like to see from Guilty Gear? And it was like a Guilty Gear anime, a Guilty Gear animated movie. Like, there's a lot of Dude. stuff that that I saw there that I was like, wow, that's super specific. And I, I kind of hope you guys oh my God. go through with that's... it. But I'll save more of what I want to say about that for when we get the shot. Okay. But, okay. Yeah. You know, yeah, we'll like it's it's it's. But I feel like what they at least what they have here so far within like the the collection of the games in terms of like what's established in terms of world building, you know, they got a lot to work with and um, it would be really cool to see uh, what would happen if they really did decide to tell uh, the story of, 
of Guilty Gear. Um, I don't. I'm trying to remember if, because maybe maybe you guys can correct me here, but uh, I feel like the inner beginnings of like the whole 3D transition really started for Guilty Gear with. Um, I think it was Guilty Gear Vastage X, the Pachinko game. What? Uh, deep because, here, dude. Like they, because I remember seeing a Pachinko game, and I was like, "Why does this look so good? This looks like a 3D anime." And then Exard, you know, came to be, and I'm like, "Well, if you're already like creating cutscenes, right? Like legit cutscenes with this technology, then." Who's to say that with a little bit of extra work and effort and a good, uh, a massive team that you couldn't just make a 22 minute show using, you know, assets that are already established yeah, uh, and utilizing this technology. So I honestly, I feel like if Guilty Gear does become an actual anime, it would open up so many doors uh, for Guilty Gear in terms of reaching an even further audience. Uh because it it definitely like I remember seeing the Pachinko game and I was like, dude, this I would watch this. Dude, yeah, I'm looking at footage right now. I didn't even know this existed. It, it totally oh, really? <laughs> looks like. I, I feel like at it, least with with like what Strive looks like, they could totally do a show in oh, dude, yeah. whatever they built Strive. <laughs> well, totally. they used they used Unreal Engine, but then I will never forget this because Christopher. Fermotomura is like such a huge inspiration. Him and Ishiwatari, he did a, a panel at GDC about Exerd, and he literally was like, "We decided to use Unreal, but when we realized that perfect math was not good enough for what we had to do, we had to create like our own way of utilizing Unreal to create the world of Guilty Gear that we always knew could exist." And I'm like, "Bro, like, <laughs> if you're doing stuff like this uh, now." with a game there's definitely the prospect of you guys actually going like straight up and being like oh let's just do an anime uh because i don't know if you guys remember uh sons again and ultra super pictures do you remember back in like 2006 they did like a a demo reel um and it was like some untitled show and it was cell shaded 3d and a lot of the animation techniques and principles like basically said hey we're going to take the aesthetic of anime and how it works but we're going to follow the principles of how 2d animation works with 3d models um and i mean i'll I'll send you guys a link later but basically i feel like that was like the beginnings of both uh development and i guess like evolution of like 3d and 2d synergy with like what studio trigger was doing with like kill a kill with uh premiere uh it was like the 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 foundation for those things. And I feel like that also was a catalyst for, uh, for guilty gear. Um, I, I feel like Arxis has probably been doing enough research on this to understand that like they can go beyond like a game. Like it just would take a Herculean effort to make a TV show. Uh, but I think it's possible. Like, I think we were, we were talking about this in the context of other things is that like, it's, it's easy to make uh, something that looks amazing that's like 20 minutes, you know, 10 minutes long or something like that. But making something that's like a series or show is always where it falls over. But they have the technology and they have the characters and the story. It seems like with a little bit of effort, they could totally do it. And the appetite for game-based shows or media is just skyrocketing right now. So I think it would be a great – I'd watch it. Sure. Yeah. yeah. 
yeah. I, I, I want to save some for the next podcast, but I will say um, uh, Unreal Engine is already being used in uh, several actual anime productions like uh, No Guns Life. Uh, the backgrounds are rendered in real time in Unreal really? Engine. Yep. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. So, I don't know. This this is all coming together for a Guilty Gear anime, man. Yeah. Like strong, <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. well, I mean, it, real, it seems so unnecessary, but I love yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, uh, Unreal and, and Unity have both made a lot of uh, strides in um, uh, film production in the last few years. That's been a focus since they're they're so well established in games. But now, you know, real time engines are so good that, uh, um, you know, like people have been using them for pre-production for a while. But now you can actually use them for actual, you know, why, why use a render farm if, if you can do stuff in real time? That's true. I mean, that, that's true. yeah. That's a that's a that's a valid point. Okay. Well, we'll we'll get into that deeper. Let's um let's let's get back to the original Guilty Gear a little bit. Uh, um, man. So I, I was just thinking we were we were talking about like uh, a lot of the influences and stuff, and I just thought about this. Do you think uh, was he into um, bastard at all? Because that's yes. got a lot of like yes, angelic yes, yes, like yes, sword yes, insane yes. nonsense. Dude. Um, thank you for, for mentioning that. Yeah, uh, I definitely got a strong sense of, um, uh, you know, Bastard is a, is, it's a manga by Kazushi Hagiwara, a, a long running comic from Shonen, in, in Shonen Jump. Uh, not, not so famous in America. It, the, the OVA, the anime, uh, was, you know, kind of like a cult classic here in the U.S., but um, in Japan, Bastard's actually one of the best selling uh, comics of all time. Um, and oh my god that was a beautifully drawn comic it started off it was called heavy metal fantasy you know that was, that was, <laughs> was i didn't so, know i didn't know yeah, it was called yeah. that That's... yeah and um it, 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 he constantly made references to like uh, metal bands yeah there was the kingdom of like metallicana and like <laughs> You know, uh, the Dark God Anthrax and like just lots of other much deeper cuts than that. But um, that series for for me as to the lifelong fan of like anime and manga, like at the time, I felt like that series was really pushing the envelope for like manga aesthetics, especially by the late 90s. That was when it got into the, um, uh, you know, the arc where the the angels uh, archangels return to earth to like smite humanity oh because because humanity had discovered this infinite energy source that they you know was basically magic uh which is uh yeah well, well, you're making, yeah, maybe yeah maybe he was a little more influenced and like also uh yeah. i know for, i know for sure like testament is definitely named after a band i don't know if there are other oh, yeah, i'm yeah, sure yeah. there are plenty of other rock references yeah. too wow those oh, are yeah. some striking similarities yeah, 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 bastard! Oh my gosh, we could do a whole. Oh, I'm definitely going to be writing about that in the future. Thank you for that. I f- totally forgot. I can't believe I didn't think about that. It made me think about yeah. it because I was thinking about the angelic stuff, and in, uh, in our uh, bayonetta episode, we talked pretty extensively about bastard as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I have a lot of bastard manga. I mean, you gave me some like back back in the day, and it was something that like. I would literally sit for hours and absorb in terms of its oh, like same. visual, visual yeah. like just presence. Like I was just like, God, I need to find a way to figure out how I can create this feeling in my own way because I yeah. love how like lived in that the manga feels. 
in terms yeah. of the world that it introduces to you. And, uh, you know, I definitely could see Isha Watati being like, yeah, I got a couple of those. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I've looked at this a few times, you know, yeah. like it, it, it yeah. just, you know, uh, interestingly enough, uh, I through 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 a, a pretty good like buddy of mine, I got my work in front of him once and uh, he was just like, wow, this is really cool. Like, and that was enough to almost make me cry, man. Because I was just like... Wait, wait, in oh front of God. who? Uh, Isha Watari. I think what? He was, yeah, I think he was at Evo. Oh. And a friend of mine, like, you know, had uh, a chance to, like, show him, like, hey, you know, just look at this real quick. And he was just like, he was like, oh, this is really cool. Like, and I was just like, ah, you know, like, it, it's... Dude. Yeah, he's... I love... Uh, Ishiwatari's uh like not just guilty gear but like in terms of him as a as a creator and someone making something so personal it's very uh inspiring to see and I and I feel like uh people should really take that kind of thing in because you don't get that very often uh with any project um a lot of times it's a lot of algorithms and things that are kind of determining uh whether we're going to put money into this or put money into that and, and I understand the reasons for that and that, there's nothing wrong with that at all but when you have somebody that really sits down and says, I'm going to make something very personal that only I can make. And I'm going to utilize my resources to the best of their ability to create this like living, breathing world that people will globally consume and want more of it on a regular basis. Like uh, it's a wonderful thing. I'm, I'm glad that Arxis exists. Uh, I'm glad that Guilty Gear uh, exists because it shows uh, the potential that can happen when like the right resources uh, come together. I mean, Guilty Gear came out in '98, man. It's 2020. We're talking about it, and it still feels still great. You know? about it. Yeah, that's wonderful. Uh, by the way, I, I just want to plug uh, James's uh, comic and his online presence again. Uh, James is a wonderful artist. Um, you know, his online handle is Beefy Kunoichi. Uh, you can look him up on on Twitter, on DeviantArt, and uh, look out for his comic Part Time Shuffle. Uh, please look that up. Wow, greatly appreciate yeah. that, man. Thank you so much. Oh no, it's my pleasure. I, I hope uh, more. I, I hope more people pick it up. All right, um, it's actually getting really late where I am. But uh, any any last words on on Guilty Gear? Any any last comments? Uh, I'd, I'd I'd say if anything, uh, it it is a wonderful foundation for what is to come uh, in terms of the Guilty Gear series. Um, I feel like it it confidently put its foot down and said we are here. Uh, yeah. In a time when Capcom ruled uh, the 2D fighting game uh, atmosphere, yeah. and uh, it 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 made itself known and it got a lot of attention. And like you know, in terms of what came after that, uh, it it set a wonderful precedent. And I mean, even to this day, I feel like it's something that is worth owning just to be able to look at and say like, wow, like look at how far uh, you know Guilty Gear has come. But we're gonna get into that, you know the next <laughs> series yeah, but i yeah. feel like it's a good it's a good place to start to stop this one and like you know talk about the juiciness of all the other things that come after it's it's just kind of it's one of those it's one of those games where uh it's just such a joyful experience to play it uh even if you're losing uh like it's it's really very just like kind of what james is saying there's so much love put into a game series like this that uh it's definitely worth owning a variety of covers i actually didn't know there was a switch version so i might go pick that up uh, as well, I but no, there was a switch collection. Gotta look into that. But uh, this entire discussion has made me be like, oh, I need to go play a lot more 
guilty gear than I have been playing. So. I mean, I still, ever since the beta closed, I've been like jumping into Exard like I should have played you more. <laughs> like, like I should have played you so much more just because I need something that like feels as close as it can be to Strive. Even though Strive is very different from Exard for on a lot of different levels, like I need to look at something as pretty as it can be. Uh, without Strive being actually accessible. So nice. I've been playing a lot of uh, Exard between streaming Third Strike. Uh, so, yeah. I, I feel like, for me, that kind of feeling still... I still rely on Third Strike to do it. A lot of the... I don't think any of the, a lot of the newer fighters coming out, like the newer Street Fighters or Dragon Ball games, are bad by any stretch of the imagination, but none of them have quite hooked me in the same way that uh, games like Guilty Gear and Street Fighter 3 have, so... All right, cool. Um, yeah, let's uh, let's wrap things up here. Uh, I had a wonderful time discussing this classic oh, it's game. My pleasure, man. With with y'all, I'm so happy to have you on the podcast, James. Yeah, let's oh, um, let's uh, continue this. Uh, we'll, we'll let's get back together again. We'll we'll talk about the uh, the rest of the series, and uh, absolutely want to hear uh, your thoughts on on the, uh, the 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 beta test that they just oh, had. Man. Oh, I can't wait to get to that, man. I'm going to hold okay. it. I can't wait. <laughs> okay, okay. All right, folks. Um, so we're going to wrap it up here. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Uh, you know, I hope everyone has been able to uh, stay safe in uh, these pretty insane times. Like, uh, yeah. uh, nothing like it in my lifetime that I can recall. But, uh, you know, I'm glad I'm, to be able to still get together with old buddies and uh, talk about games that I love and... Uh, yeah, if you uh, want to keep following along uh, with Art Eater Podcast, you can um, uh, follow us on Twitter at Art Eater Podcast. That's A-R-T-E-A-T-E-R Podcast. Um, yeah, and uh, you know that we'll let you know whenever uh, new new installments are uploaded. And you know, if you're listening to this, uh, we're we're on every everywhere that you're, you're you're you listen to podcasts like Stitcher, Apple. Yeah, all the, all, all the regular places. So, yeah, uh, please, thank you for listening, um, and have a good one. Later. All right, Later. take care. <laughs> I got I to gotta get better at these outros. <laughs> <laughs> have a good one, folks. see it done well like how that can have such an impact on things that people don't even realize they're absorbing <laughs>